So here I am. I'm sitting next to Felicity Aston, who really has done remarkable things. She skied across uh, Antarctica. She went to the South Pole. And now she's the new godmother for this wonderful ship. We're going to find out about all that and more on Insider Travel Report. Now, Felicity, first of all, it was wonderful to meet you, uh, hear the story, which you thankfully gave uh, a lecture on your accomplishment. But let's talk about that. How did, how did, what led up to you being named godmother of this incredible ship? Mm, well, I started to have uh, a relationship with Silver Sea. I firstly attended some events um, that they held at the Royal Geographical Society in London, for right. example, about Antarctica and the polar regions. And then I joined them for one of their small um, voyages from London to um, to Ireland. And again, was, was talking about Antarctica and, and polar stories. I think I was on that cruise when oh, you went from yeah, London. Yes, under yeah, I was on that cruise. Right. Yes, it was wonderful. Yeah. And that was the ship that was converted into a polar ship for them, Silver Cloud. So that uh, I remember, I do remember that. So now you're here. And, and, and yes. And then uh, earlier, just a few months ago, I was contacted, and they said, you know, would you consider being godmother for our new expedition ship? And uh, of course, it was a, a huge honor. Um, it's very. There's not many ships, are there? No, it's it's no. not often um, that you you get asked to do such a thing. So uh, yeah, I was absolutely thrilled to bits. Now, we're here in Antarctica, and you have some familiarity with this continent. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background here, and, and also we're going to talk about your, your feet, which I talked about earlier, but how did you end up in Antarctica to begin with? Hmm. Well, I mean, my first trip to Antarctica was now more than 20 years ago, which uh, makes me feel very old indeed, but I was uh, posted here as a scientist uh, with the UK's main Antarctic research program uh, called the British Antarctic okay. Survey. And so I was posted to one of their research stations um, right at the very bottom of the Antarctic Peninsula. Mm. And the extraordinary thing about the setup there was that the standard contract was for uh, two and a half years. So the idea was is that you spent a, an Antarctic summer, then an Antarctic winter, another Antarctic summer, a second Antarctic winter, wow. and then a third and final Antarctic summer before you went home again. And the idea was that the first summer you're the newbie learning everything, mm. and then the second uh, winter you're the more experienced part of the of the crew that keeps the station going and you're you know advising the people the, the newbies. So, yeah the newbies exactly so you get that sort of consistency but um but you know it meant that i got to know antarctica in a way that very few have the privilege to do so uh, i feel very fortunate still for that experience now you've become an author, a scientist, uh, uh, and you really sort of focused all your career on Antarctica. What led to this this feat of uh, your your first of all, why did you want to do it to ski to the South Pole? Yes, well, I. I had um, I'd been putting together uh, polar expeditions by that point when I think you're referring to the one where I skied across right. Antarctica alone yeah so I'd skied to the pole with teams right. and I'd done several other sort this, of journeys yeah, to go alone is it yeah story? and uh, you know I just so at that point I'd 
spent 10 years or so you know doing these other expeditions in Antarctica and then the idea of going alone was something different and new and uh, to me anyway and I was curious you know how what would it feel like to be out there by myself how would I respond to that experience um, and could I do it you know was it was it something that was possible for me um, and it also felt like such an amazing sort of homage really to this continent to be able to cross it uh, from one coast to another and to do that alone the simplicity and the completeness of that really spoke to me so for all of those reasons yeah well the one you, at your talk though you said when the plane took off and went into the distance you sort of started to cry because you're like suddenly realized i'm here i'm alone and that's it i have to i have to do this right yeah i thought i'd prepared really thoroughly for the alone part of the expedition um but in those first few seconds of the journey when the plane took off and left me behind i realized that i really wasn't prepared at all for how how uh, deeply affecting it was right. to be so severed from everyone else and i think now that we've all gone through well, three years of covid and various sort of lockdowns and isolations i think people understand much more about how dramatic that moment is when you're separated from everything and everyone and it can it's not just a matter of feeling homesick or lonely it it changes the way you behave it changes the way you make decisions right. it changes you know everything um do you have any contact with the outside world doing that do you have a radio or something yes i mean you're obliged to carry a satellite phone with okay. you when you're in antarctica under the you know the contract that you have with governments to allow okay. you to be there um, um, so I had a satellite phone um, and I was obliged once a day to ring and uh, record my position and basically say I'm still alive. Right. Um, and to start off with, the person on the other end would sort of make small talk, aware that I was on my own. But very quickly, I had to just make it a straightforward transfer of information. I just say, this is Felicity, this is my position, I'm safe and well by, and put the phone down. Um, because otherwise... It, you know this fragile sort of bubble of well-being I created I was worried you know, to suddenly have that connection with human beings and then for it to be over um, would be too much for me to take so on you just focused on the task at hand right that was it. exactly I had various coping strategies and the contact with the outside world began to feel like an intrusion in that little bubble that I'd created for myself so um yeah, it was interesting. My psychological response to being alone, I think, was perhaps one of the, the biggest revelations of that expedition. And how long did it take you? Uh, I was skiing for 59 days, but I was out there 63, I think, in total. Yeah. Oh and what was it like when you finally got back to seeing people? It was, I mean, you know, you're at that point, I think I was 34 at the time. So I'd had 34 years of social training. You know, I knew what I was supposed to be doing and what I wasn't. But it felt like there was, you know, a part of me that was up front just going through the motions. And the real me was sat in the back of my head somewhere, just kind of mulling over what had just happened, almost sort of in shock or something like that. And it took a long while, maybe six months or more, before I felt like those two parts of me were back together again and I was fully present. Um, because before that it was like I was just sat in the back of my mind mulling everything over while I was letting you know this other sort of front person uh, just go through the motions but uh, well it was an amazing accomplishment and <laughs> clearly I know you said in your lecture you always if there's somebody tells you you can't do something you do it mm -hmm. and that's that's clearly is something that you did now I will compare that experience 
here you are in Silver Sea, and you're back in the Antarctic. A little bit different, I would think, right? Ah, oh, yes. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I've I've probably. Um, made my visits to Antarctica as difficult as I possibly could for myself but this in is the total reverse of that I mean it's a super beautiful luxurious ship and there's joy in that too you know um I get to enjoy the landscape outside of the windows without having to worry about and take your son your family the whole oh, thing my, my little boy is with us so he's five years old and this is his first visit to Antarctica and for me to be able to show my child a place that means so much to me and you know has taken up so much of my adult life um yeah it's it's really well, you're starting him in on a little bit of a high note here <laughs> in, compared to what you went through you know you, it's like he's he's going to be you think is this the way everybody travels <laughs> yeah he's going to be expecting a butler <laughs> when he goes on expedition yeah. Yeah. Every, everybody every expedition should have a butler right <laughs> oh do you know what maybe that's going to be my tradition that's, from now on i will bring I a butler that's, along that's wonderful <laughs> Now, um, now let's talk about um, yeah. So this has been a great experience for you, and we're gonna, um, you know, you're now. This is your ship. Did you know that? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> this, you're the godmother. You can do what you want with it. It's it. Once you've blessed it, it's it. Now, uh, and, and uh, in fact, uh, we were gonna talk a little bit about what what are you what are you what is next for you now? I mean, what are you doing right now in terms of your focus? Yeah, well, my focus has uh, been to the north, the North Pole, for the last few years the because North Pole, okay. yeah, because the environment up there is changing so rapidly yeah. that the window of opportunity that we have uh, to make expeditions in that part of the world is closing mm. very rapidly, and uh, my expeditions are now based on collecting samples and collecting as much data as possible, mm. because very soon we won't be able to go up there on skis, and getting that data will become even more difficult and more expensive. So um, we're due to go out in April, which is really the only window in the right. year that you have to get right up to those high northern latitudes. And I have a, a small team of six and we're going out to collect uh, to collect snow, ice and water samples for later analysis. Yeah. So you switched from the South Pole to the North Pole, officially, right? Yeah, I'm bipolar. <laughs> so bipolar, right. Out. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I, you know, Antarctica is where my heart is, right. I feel, but... I live in the Arctic and um, it's also a place where I feel very comfortable and have endless curiosity you know just well, you know this ship goes up there too it does yes yeah, yeah. So, so I think you might want to schedule a cruise on her and she <laughs> I just saw Conrad uh, Coburn because the expedition head for Silver Sea has some marvelous cruises of Hudson Bay and above mm, yeah they've got big plans and I'm uh, I'm very jealous some of these uh, voyages that they're planning are you know to parts of the world where just even a few years ago you wouldn't have even dreamt that we'd be able to go and visit never mind in luxury and with facilities like this you know we have microscopes we have kayaks we have these incredible zodiacs well, where we lot, can go and explore these, a lot of these expedition ships now have full science centers and they they, they sponsor teams and uh, it's a little bit different from uh, you know your old stations down here in you know, so now you have this ship going up to the Arctic and you, you could try it. It's really amazing what uh, this new breed of polar expedition ship is doing. Uh, this is a great one. I've been on a few more and uh, it really is the whole 
heart of this market has exploded. And I mean, you honestly, you you were the pioneers in this, getting everybody interested in coming down here. Well, I mean, I think uh, I mean it's part of the reason why I was so pleased to be working with Silversea because they are a company that has recognised that um, you know right now people need to justify why they're traveling and you need to make sure that you're traveling with in a way that is responsible and that has integrity and purpose um otherwise you know it's no longer you, you can't float around the these fragile environments um without being absolutely sure that not only you're not damaging anything while you're here but that you're taking home something of value that will make things better in some way in the future and uh, you know silver sea as you know is a company that really is very mindful of what can we do better constantly improving and you know setting themselves really ambitious goals for how the future of travel will look like and i think that's very important because the other option is to ban travel in places like this altogether and i can't see that that's a good thing you know the science programs the nationally funded science programs have had antarctica more or less to themselves for a long time and i think that you know in order to solve the problems that we need to solve you know, it needs to involve everybody and, yeah. you know, bringing as many people as possible to come and see these places in a responsible manner, yeah. um, you know, can have huge benefits. And I think that's, you know, just doing it in a way that is that is uh, responsible and um, you know, constantly bettering ourselves. That's surely the way forward. I totally agree. I mean, we have to understand these areas that we go to. It's, it's incredible to go to Antarctica, incredible to go to the Arctic. Uh, but we have to do it responsibly and so we can understand what we can do for the future. Well, first of all, congratulations on being the godmother of this one ship. And I, I don't think I told you earlier, you know, this is your ship. That means you get at least my understanding is you get at least one free cruise every year. Oh, is, is that right? So <laughs> you, should, you should talk to them about that because, you know, it doesn't have to be here. It could be in, now your, your new focus is in, in Arctic. <laughs> I mean, if you thought this is a n nice way to go to Antarctica, it's probably a nice way to go to the Arctic as well, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe they can pass by my home up in Iceland, pick me up on the way. That would be great, uh, I wouldn't they, it? I think, I think that's perfectly possible. <laughs> I think they do stop there. Then they go Greenland, Hudson Bay, all these areas. So, hey, uh, why not uh, yeah, for next well, summer? They have a chat right now. <laughs> I, I think I can walk down the hall. I know the whole team is down there and say, look, you know, I hear somebody told me that, that part of this deal is uh, we can, I can have the ship once a year. So uh, there you go. Wow. Well, I didn't know that. So I shall definitely, yeah, go and uh, seek further information. Uh, <laughs> well, again, congratulations. And it's been wonderful to meet you and hear all about your adventures here in the White Continent. And now to hear about what you're doing up in the North Pole. And again, uh, we're looking forward to the christening. I think it's tomorrow or the next day. Yes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too. It sounds like a big adventure in its own right. You know, I think this, this particular one, I think the bottle is made of ice and and so whatever i don't know if they're gonna you're, you don't have to hold it i think it, it, it crashes against the ship so it is a marvelous ceremony and i think you'll enjoy it but we've been kind of celebrating this whole time 
Yeah, it has. It's a three-part ceremony, as we um, discovered. They had the blessing, and then we had um, the ceremony in Puerto Williams, and now this is the final bit, the actual christening, christening of the ship. And you know, how many times in your life you're going to have the opportunity to say those famous words and set that bottle off towards a hull? So, um, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Well, we're looking forward to it as well. Again, congratulations, and uh, it was lovely to meet you, and also be here in Antarctica, where you which you know so well. Again, I'm James Schillinglaw, and this is Insider Travel Report.